the cost of a data breach in 2020. I'm Tanya Hall, and joining me is Wendy Whitmore, Vice President of IBM X-Force Threat Intelligence. Welcome, Wendy. Thanks, Tanya. Happy to be here again. Remind us about the mission of IBM's X-Force. X-Force is really focused on helping our clients prepare for, detect, and respond to attacks. So any type of cyber breach you might think of and anything that we can do to really help a client be more effective at that is something that uh, we are going to do. And ultimately, that means we typically have people that in a more normal environment would jump on airplanes and respond to breaches and do the investigations. We also have a team of threat researchers and analysts who are behind the scenes, right, researching and helping those teams on the ground. And then we have a team of people that specialize in immersive training, um, so basically response and breach simulation training. IBM, partnering with the Poneman Institute, just released the 2020 edition of its Cost of a Data Breach Report. Who did you survey? How many interviews across how many countries and industries were there? Yeah, so the research here focused on over 500 or organizations, over 3,200 people um, in 17 countries and 17 uh, industries as well. So it's pretty broad this year, I think more broad than we've seen uh, in previous years. What are some of the most significant data breach uh, stats? And what's the average cost? What industry spends the most? And how long does it take to identify and even contain a breach? Oh, great question. So, you know, I think we'll start with a little bit right of background. So we've been conducting this survey, um, IBM and the Ponymon Institute have for a number of years here, and we've seen some trends over the years. And ideally, we like it when we see the average cost going down. And this year, we have seen it go down just a small amount, right? So an average, again, across all of those industries and countries we surveyed, was about 3.86 million US dollars for the cost of a breach. So you might look at that and say, well, okay, that's you know just a little bit lower than last year. So you know, what are some of the main trends? And I think the biggest thing that the research identified this year is that there's this really widening gap between organizations who um, have deployed automation and orchestration of security tooling and those that have not. And that's important for a few reasons, one of which is the good news is we're actually at a level of maturity where we can measure that now, right? The industry hasn't been ready for that in years past. And so I think that's actually really strong um, demonstrator of continued growth and maturity. Um, however, what we saw was that gap between organizations who have deployed security tooling and focused on doing automation and orchestration and those who haven't is significant. And what I mean by that in kind of real dollars and cents is that if you have not deployed any of these technologies and you haven't focused on automating them, then your average cost actually rises to 6 million US dollars. And if you have deployed them, your cost decreases to 2. 2.45 million US dollars. So that's a huge gap, right? That's about three and a half million dollars of difference and uh, in organizations who have deployed tooling versus who haven't. So that's pretty significant. Um, in terms of some of the other things that we are seeing. So um, one of the areas I thought that was kind of most interesting is that when we look at breaches that make the most impact versus maybe those that don't have as much impact, um, on the nation state actor side, right, we saw that 
the, uh, those actually made up only 13% of the overall attacks, um, it, again, related to this research group, but they are the costliest when they do occur. But what increased dramatically was were these financially motivated attackers, so at 53%, so more than half of the attacks we're seeing, were financially motivated. Oftentimes that's organized crime groups. And I think in the wake of this global pandemic and you know, the related activities we're seeing, um, we have seen our numbers from a response perspective shoot through the roof, right? We are in North America at 125% year over year and then over 75% growth in our teams in Europe in terms of just the volume of activities that we're responding to from breach perspectives. And so that said, seeing as how so many of them now are financially motivated, I think that's something that really organizations need to take note of because we're having to kind of battle on a daily basis at this point um, with these attackers. And we're gonna to continue to see financially motivated crimes occur with the current economic climate. Many of us have been working remotely for months. As you and I have talked about, we don't even see an end in sight. So. How has the pivot to remote work changed the data breach landscape? It's It's been pretty interesting, right? We've seen, um, it, I'll, I'll kind of go back to the start, right? At the beginning, we saw this um, significant spike, a 6,000% increase in spam related to COVID-19. And if you think about it from the attacker perspective, a lot of times they're looking for a lure, right? Something catchy that is going to lure a victim or a potential victim into reading something, right? Opening an email, visiting a website, um, what have you. And so now that you have the whole world, not just one region, which may, you know, previously kind of been the case when you look at natural disasters or maybe terrorist attacks, now you've got a global audience who is all interested in looking to see, you know, what's the current region research that's going on? What's the latest update in my city and my state in terms of, you know, our regulations? And so you've got this captive audience who is watching the news a lot more, they're um, watching social media, and they're, they're online. And then you couple that with the fact that you, you have so many workers now required to work from home. And so from that perspective, you have millions of more systems that are online that previously were theoretically behind a network firewall that was located in a corporate office somewhere. And now you may have those users who, you know, again, have this increased aptitude to be looking and seeking information and they may not have the same level of visibility into their systems from a defense perspective. And they may also not have ever, you know, had to kind of defend and keep an eye um, out for suspicious behavior. So for attackers, this is a, just a ripe environment. It's chaotic. They can look to then take advantage of any number of angles. So early on, we saw a lot of that related to, you know, the pandemic and increased spear phishing and increased spam. I think more recently, we've seen then a shift to nation state actors who are um, you know, collecting information and intellectual property on vaccine research and testing and, um, and really attacks against that entire global supply chain that's going to be responsible for getting out you know, the next steps of any kind of um, improvements that are made along the way of that research and testing. You alluded to this already. How do you calculate the ROI of a security preparedness plan and how do you quantify loss of trust by consumers, uh, customers, and the public? 
That's a huge one. I think that's extremely difficult, but that is certainly from a reputational risk perspective, that's one of the biggest threats that organizations have, right? When they're dealing with breaches, I think largely the public expects now to see that organizations are going to be breached. That's become a common thing in the news. And what they're really graded on is kind of the perception of that response. One of the things we see that makes the hugest impact on that, both from a perception perspective as well as an actual dollar ROI, is highlighted in this report. And that's really the amount that organizations invested in having an incident response team and testing those incident response plans. Because organizations that did saved on average over $2 million just on the initial cost of a breach. So um, 3.29 versus $5.29 million. So that's pretty significant. And I think we're still not really um, at the spot where we can kind of quantify reputational risk, right? We can quantify it sometimes in things like customer loss and turnover and things like that. But ultimately that's, we know that that's a huge factor and something that is much more damaging than just the initial cost. What are the keys to data breach resiliency? Yeah, great question. So from, uh, and I think that's one that more organizations and executives are asking now, but more dialogue should be around that, right? And it's ultimately, uh, you know, the reality is every organization who has any information of interest is going to be attacked at some point. We know that. That's, um, that's kind of the way of the world and what the threat landscape uh, dictates at this point. But organizations who uh, have incident response plans, who actually test them, um, and can identify some of these vulnerabilities in advance are absolutely going to be at a better spot than those who don't. And then when we look at kind of technical countermeasures, especially as we go into the pandemic, right? It's things like making sure that if you've got remotely accessible devices and systems, which nearly everyone does now, right? That you have multi-factor authentication on them, uh, that you've looked at your most sensitive data within the environment and identified where it is and backed it up and that you've also tested that backup plan. And ideally you have that data available for your most sensitive data offline. So it's not always connected to the network, right? That will make sure, uh, or that will ensure that ultimately uh, your backups don't also get encrypted in the wake of a ransomware attack, for example. Where can people go to find a copy of the 2020 report? Uh, so you can visit ibm.com security and, uh, and get access to the downloadable report, which actually has a tremendous amount of information and a lot of really interesting stats. Wendy Whitmore, Vice President of IBM X-Force Threat Intelligence. If somebody wants to connect with you, Wendy, what's the best place they can do that? You can certainly find me on LinkedIn, or you can also find me on Twitter at Wendy Whitmore. Thanks again, Wendy. Wendy. Um, and find more of my interviews right here or at tanyahall.net. Thanks for watching.